Well, it is great to see you all here today and be with you. And I want to say thank you to the choir and band for that piece. Can we give them just a hand uh, of thanks? I know a lot of you are singing along with that song, something about it. So I want to say hi again to everyone who's uh, watching with us on Facebook Live and YouTube today, those who will listen to this later as a sermon podcast, and to you who are here with us. We heard it spoken earlier, how very good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. So welcome to you all. Welcome back. Welcome home. This is just the place we are meant to be today. Our second scripture reading today comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 35 to 48. Jesus is speaking, and he uses a series of metaphors and images about the importance of staying alert, staying ready, being faithful stewards of what we are given. This text is a little bit complex, but it's also simple. So let's listen for what God says to us today. Jesus says, "'Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit.'" Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that they may open the doors for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat. He will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for everybody? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and prudent manager whom his master will put in charge of his slaves to give them their allowance of food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master will find at work when he arrives. Truly, I tell you, he will put that one in charge of all of his possessions. But if the slave says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the other slaves, men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him out with the unfaithful. That slave who knew what his master wanted but did not prepare himself or do what was wanted will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. <laughs> from those to whom much has been given, much will be required. And from the one to whom much has been entrusted, even more will be demanded. This is the word of the Lord. Yes. Thanks be to God. We so sure? You don't sound so sure about that today. Maybe. I know that you've had a series of excellent guest preachers here in this pulpit through the summer months, these past two months, but somebody told me this week that this is a text that no guest preacher would dare preach on. And I see why. They'd never be invited back. Because this passage from the New Testament of the Bible has parts in it that, ha that sound harsh to our 21st century ears. Isn't that right? We have that master and slave language. We have the threat of being beaten if we don't behave, of being cut into pieces, of being cast out outside. We have Jesus, the one who comes like a thief in the night, breaking into our house somehow. There's something in this that almost sounds like a sort of Santa Claus theology. Do you know what I mean? He knows when you are sleeping. He knows when you are awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. Help me out. 
So be good for goodness sake. Oh. Another way to say it is maybe we, we know about a bad dog theology. You know, that's gotten into our collective understanding. Bad dog theology whacks you with a newspaper and says, bad dog, behave or you'll be put out in the doghouse. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hand of who's been in the doghouse. I'll leave it there. Maybe this is just a caricature of what our real faith in God is like. Because what do Santa Claus and bad dogs have to do with the gospel good news of Jesus Christ, which tells us that God is not against us, but is for us? That we have been forgiven of our sins, that though they were great, God's love is greater. That we are set free to live and move and have our being in Christ, to be a new people, that God's grace is enough. Church, say amen. But we've got to be reminded, choir, we've got to be reminded of the good news for our lives and what a faithful response will look like. I was listening to a podcast this week, and it was a conversation between the former acting director of the CIA and a retired Marine commander who fought in Afghanistan. And today is September 11th, a day that will always live in American memory, and they were talking about the end of the Afghanistan war. They're talking about the way that they were trying to help get people out of the country in those chaotic last days before it fell to the Taliban. And it seemed so futile to them because they couldn't get it all done. They couldn't save everyone, and they knew that. One of them in this podcast said that he had recently heard a story that was new to him. He'd never heard it before that related to this. It was about a starfish on the beach. There's a young boy at the seashore walking along where there were thousands of starfish washed up on the shore. And as he walked, he started picking them up and throwing them back into the water, one at a time. And as he was doing this, someone came up to him and saw what he was doing and saw how many starfish there were. And he said to this kid, what are you doing? That's so useless. There's no way you could possibly save all these starfish. The little boy picked up one threw it as far as he could into the water. And he said that that one made a difference for that one. And he kept walking along, throwing starfish in as he went. The open question maybe is if this other person would join him. I don't know about you, but I have heard that starfish parable many times. It is not new to me. It's old hat. It's been preached. It's been shared. It's got a great message, doesn't it? Something we need to be reminded of and to know about. It got me thinking about what we do here on Sunday mornings in church. Because a, a lot of us, we've heard the gospel before, right? We know about Jesus. In fact, we're seeking to be followers of Jesus. We've put our faith in him. We, we don't always do it right. We're saints and sinners mixed up together, but we're on a road. We're on a journey, as Pastor Erica said. Week by week, we walk by faith, but not by sight, and we, we're reminded again and again of something that we know about, like the starfish parable, but it helps us remember it, recenter on it, come back to it. But then, you know, on this podcast, these guys, the Marine commander, had never heard it before. It was new to them. And for some of you, it's new to you. The gospel's like that, too. When we come into church today on this kickoff Sunday, maybe you are a visitor here. 
Maybe you haven't been around for a bit. Or you've been away from the, the faith of your childhood or when in your younger years. Maybe you're here kind of full of questions or doubts. And what happens on a Sunday morning, a Sunday like this, but also next Sunday and the one after it, is that we tell the story for those who have heard it and need to be reminded and for those to whom this is new news. And as your preacher, as your pastor, that's my job. That's what I get to do. And you all come in week by week into this holy space and time that you set apart. And you come in with kind of that residual bad dog theology that you've picked up along the way out there in the world, kind of feeling like, oh, man, I'm pretty bad. I got no hope. And then I get to come in. I get to come in and remind you of a more excellent way. There's a poem by Mary Oliver. It's called Little Dog's Rhapsody in the Night. And this is what it says. He puts his cheek against mine and makes small expressive sounds. And when I'm awake, or awake enough, he turns upside down his four paws in the air and his eyes dark and fervent. Tell me you love me, he says. Tell me again. Could there be a sweeter arrangement? Over and over, he gets to ask it. I get to tell. Could there be any sweeter arrangement? Over and over again, you come into your church home, into your life with God, seeking to know or hear more about what this is all about. And I get to tell you that you're more loved than you could possibly know. Even when you feel unlovable, even when you have gotten off track or, or messed things up or gone further into the minefield of your life than you realized. Am I talking to you? And just as you are, right where you are is the place where God meets you and heals you and loves you. Again and again, you can ask, and I'll tell. Someone once said there are four main messages from the Scripture, things that show up in the Bible all over the place. This is, these are things we need to hear and, and know, and here's, here's what, it, it, what it says. God says to us, I love you. I'm with you. Do not be afraid. Come home. And this is the work that we do together. You know that word liturgy? You know the word liturgy? It comes from a Latin word. It means the work of the people. And so the leader does one part, and the people respond with their part. Like this, the Lord be with you. Oh, thanks. You know your part to play in that liturgy. The leader does one, the people do theirs. And so here's the liturgy of our life together on a Sunday morning. You come in with your questions, your doubts, your fears, your whole selves, your, resell, your real selves, and you don't leave me hanging. Because I expect to see you here when your arm is in a sling or in your soccer uniform because you're going to the game, in your joys, in your sorrows. Just to be part of regular life together this way. Because that's how God works through a community like this telling us again and again the things we need to hear. You know, I was thinking back about these past couple of years with, with COVID and deepest COVID. 
let's all remember back together. You know, for a long time, we were, we were worshiping um, only online. We couldn't get together like this. Couldn't rub elbows and bump fists. And back then, I was w- recording my worship parts for the service every week. And sometimes uh, I would do it here in the front. I would be up in the balcony over in the chapel. And I would do the part about prayers of the people, prayers of our, of our people, things we were praying about. And after I would pray all these names and things that we were, we were thinking about, I would then lead into online, for the online, uh, the the Lord's Prayer. And um, the funniest, strangest, weirdest thing happened to me throughout that time, often, regularly, when I got to the part with the Lord's Prayer, I would say, now we all say the Lord's Prayer together. I would forget the Lord's Prayer. (laughs) Can I say that? That's a prayer that I've known since I was a kid. You've probably prayed that prayer much of your life. I mean, right now, you could close your eyes and say the prayer. But here's what happened. Without the voices around me, without the swell of the congregation, without others kind of murmuring along with me, I lost track of where I was. I lost track of the words of that prayer, what I was saying. So we need each other. You know, we're made for each other. Sometimes it is the faith or the words or the songs or the prayers that somebody else has when you don't have the words or the prayers or the faith or the song. So we're a community here in our church where we don't operate out of a bad dog theology because the Christian gospel is just the opposite. It isn't clean up your act, you naughty boys and girls, or else. It is Christ has died for you. Christ has risen for you. Christ has set you free from the bondage of sin or death or anything else that is trying to hold you back. God's grace and truth are given to you as a gift, and you're invited with your life to respond. I love what Jesus says in this passage. He says, from everyone to whom much has been given, much will be required, and the one to whom much has been entrusted, even more will be demanded. And this is a message that I I think we all could use to hear on a day like today. We've been given great gifts in our lives. Not only the faith we share, but the blessings of family, the opportunities that come our way, the gifts and abilities and um, skills that are in this room, the life experiences we have. And the point that Jesus makes that, that I want us to hear is that we who've been, who have received grace upon grace from God, we're called to share that grace, to show God's love to the waiting and watching world. You might have heard this version of this same idea from um, your your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Remember him? Young Peter Parker heard this wisdom from his uncle. With great power comes great responsibility. To whom much is given, much will be required. That might need to be your life verse. So we live our faith not out of fear of being called bad dogs, but from a place of being loved and given so much, a people of privilege and power, of blessing and fullness so much that we're meant to overflow into the lives around us. Now, in the Bible text, Jesus seems to be talking about the the end times, the last days. Someday Jesus will return, and there will be that kind of judgment moment that only God knows gets us worked up and worried sometimes. But I wonder if we might read this same text a little different way today, the same one we're talking about. 
What if Jesus is telling his followers to be dressed and ready for action? That's what the Bible says. Because he's coming like a thief in the night. That's what it says. On a day and an hour, you don't know because that's, that's what it says. But what if Jesus does come unexpectedly all the time or any time, even today? I don't mean in an end times kind of way. I do mean that Christ comes to us in the guise of others. Christ comes to us because there's something of God in each of us. So I wonder if the point of this teaching is that we are meant to be expectant that Christ will show up in our midst, to look for him in the people we meet, especially those who are on the margins, those who are hurting in some way. Maybe that's Christ in our midst. So when we do our working and our serving, our caring and our loving ministries, it isn't to get just some doggy treat in the future, though God's future plan is so good. It's also an expression of love for God through how we love others right now. Great line from uh, George Fox, the 17th century Quaker. This is what he says. Walk joyfully on the earth and respond to that of God in every human being. There's something of God in each of us. And we honor our faith when we look for it, when we expect it, when we prepare for it, when we respond to it. So my prayer for our church as we move into this fall season, as we kind of start things off again together, is that you would join me in that essential liturgy of the faith, the back and forth, the regular pattern of life together on a Sunday where we're formed, and then the way that we're sent out with a purpose, sent out to do good work, sent out not as dogs trying to earn our keep, but beloved little puppies getting our bellies rubbed by the one who knows us and loves us best. May it be so for you today. Amen.